0: Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Well, welcome to our first ever Midweek in the Word podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. I am Pastor Brad, the adult ministries pastor at Faith Bible Church, and this morning I'm joined by Tom Rempel, our preaching pastor. Tom, Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to hit the uh, the first rest area so we can pause and think about where
1: we're going and where we've been.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, last week, we want to jump right into it, and, and obviously, we kicked off with the Route 66 sermon series, Genesis to Revelation, How Every Sign Points to Christ, and you got to kick off that with Genesis 1 <laughs> through 3 talking about Adam and Eve. When you did that, you introduced the concept with three big questions as far as every work we're going to learn about God, we're going to learn about man, and we're going to learn about how it points us to Christ. So I just want to to review a bit of what we looked at last week and say, what did we learn about God from Genesis 1 through 3? That that list probably is way shorter than uh,
1: it should be. I think the first was just Moses wanted the children of Israel to know that in the beginning, God. There was no defense of his existence. It was just moving forward as he proved himself. So we, we saw that he was eternal. We saw that he was authoritative, that his word was obeyed. We saw that he was powerful in that what he designed, he created. Uh, we saw that he was the final uh, measure of what was success. He himself said that it was good. We saw that he was enormously generous and then when the children of Israel violated, or children of Israel, when Moses uh, pointed out that Adam and Eve had violated his holiness, they found that he was gracious mm. in the midst of it. So uh, I think those are the big pictures that we saw.
0: Amen. Amen. And what, what about mankind? What, what do we learn about our situation or, or about the people of Israel's situation, as you mentioned?
1: Yeah, I, I think Moses wanted them to understand that they were unique from all the rest of creation, that they had a role to play in ruling and subduing it, mm-hmm. uh, that they and the animal world, though all were created from the dust, the distinction was they, they were blessed with the breath of God in them, the living spirit, so uh, that they were created uh, were created. But they were, as he says in Psalms, they were a little lower than the angels, but that God was mindful of them because uh, they were, as he said, the image bearers of God. So they were a unique creation with a unique responsibility, uh, significant authority under God's authority, but also given a free will. Hmm. And uh, God put before them a choice. He didn't want puppets to serve him. Uh, he wanted those who loved him to serve out of love. And so uh, he gave them an, a test, an opportunity there. So I, I think that they're independent of him, free to worship him or to worship themselves.
0: Mm. Which obviously necessarily points us forward to the cross, yeah. you know, and we yeah. see that in our time having the whole of Scripture, but that's also one of the emphasis for your message series yeah. as we walk through those. So, so how does that message of God and of man help point us or anticipate Christ? Yeah, the, the wrestling with uh, preaching this is trying to go back and stand
1: in Hebrew sandals as Moses is telling this story Looking forward toward a cross that you can't quite identify, mm. but that there is a head crusher coming. You're not sure who, when, or what. What's that look like? Because we are blessed to stand on this side of the cross and look back through it the other way and go, ah, I know the answer to that mystery. Mm. So, in, in that case, I think it really raised that question uh, would, Will there be one who is a son of God, as Adam was declared to be in Luke 3? Will there be another son of God who, when he is faced with temptation, will not fall but will stand, who will, who will not reinterpret God's word but will use God's word as a sword of defense? Yes. And we are told in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way like we are but without sin. So it points us forward. We need one that can be tested
0: and not fail. And
1: I think that points us to
0: Christ. So the whole point of Genesis 1 through 3 is is anticipating the cross speaking to our current situation and where we find ourselves. But before we kind of go into where you ended up from an application standpoint, let's let's backtrack a little bit here, because the idea of this podcast is to get a sense for how do we become better readers of the Word in our own time in the Word, and how do we become better hearers as you're preaching the Word, so that we can ultimately live it out. So as we move backward, I know this passage has has had no lack of ink spilled on <laughs> it. Uh, so, so what was the trickiest thing for you as, as you began looking into 1 through 3 of Genesis uh, from an interpretive standpoint?
1: Well, I I think the hardest was in, I I legitimately tried to do the discipline of pretending like I'd never read it before, um, because I've got all the children's Bible story books, and I've got volumes of books on my shelf that I've read over the years, and the hardest part was to go back and not anticipate what was coming, but to let it speak for itself and to take, so this this time I just took a brand new Bible that had not been marked and began highlighting and marking things that I otherwise would have probably missed. So uh, probably the hardest was just to read it as though I had not read it before and not to assume interpretation simply because I had either preached it before or had heard it before.
0: What are some of those assumptions that you had to kind of be mindful of that you didn't f- naturally fall into those into those that, that pattern of thinking.
1: Well, the, the one assumption is is that that it is a, that God wrote it in anticipation that in my generation there would be great debate over the issue of evolution versus mm-hmm. creationism, and so assuming that that was its original intent and purpose, and reading it through the creationist versus evolutionist vision, view, interpretation. So to just let it speak, to to let things like, you know, when we talk about a day, we say it is morning, evening, it's day one. But when he wrote, he said it was evening and morning, it was day one. I mean, just <laughs> those little things that until you step back and read, you, you kind of miss.
0: And isn't one of that, or that one of the tough things about reading these passages? Because... The, the, the story gives us little hints and twists and turns yeah. that kind of don't answer the questions we want it to answer, right? Because yep. we, we come to the text, and and I've even talked to people over the course of this week who have begun reading, you know, anticipation of your message, and they're going, it didn't answer the questions I had, you know? <laughs> it didn't answer, how did God create the world, or mm. when did God create the world, or, or where was the garden geographically? Yep. You know, or what would have happened if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned? You know, so many of these questions that yeah. we want to bring to the text. But instead, you're you're pointing out little nuances that, yeah. that guide the story in a direction that maybe we wouldn't want it to go.
1: Well, I think, you know, one of them was uh, a number of people responded. I didn't know that the first proclamation of the gospel was to the serpent mm. and not to Adam and Eve. And, you know, we assume that he promised the woman that her seed, but he warned the serpent mm. <laughs> what was going to happen to his seed. So uh, the, the good news to the serpent was not good news. It, mm. it was bad news to the serpent, which was good news to the woman who's listening in, as you can tell from uh, the end of, or in chapter four, when she starts having children, yeah. she heard the promise. But at that point, you're thinking, wow, that was a shocker. What does that mean? So you, you just kinda leave them dangle out there. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if if that's the case, as, as you're as as we're all reading this this story together that maybe we've all heard a number of times, then if if, if it doesn't answer the questions we want to bring to it, how as you begin to interpret to prepare to, to teach or as as we are reading for ourselves, how do we know what to focus on and what the questions are we should be asking?
1: Yeah. Regrettably, we, we almost all come to the Bible for self-serving purposes. We, we want a magical word from God to begin our day, mm-hmm. or I've got a trial in my life and I need divine wisdom cast upon it. So I tend to read the scripture from my felt need perspective and to be willing to go to the scriptures and just let God speak as he speaks. And let him not answer all of my inquiries uh, and not to force that, but know that if he hints at it early on, he's going to speak to it again later on. But the patience of
0: letting it unfold as you read, I think, is is a big discipline of the heart. Mm. And you talk so much in that process that kind of maintaining... What you refer to as the coma method is critical, you know, moving through the steps and not getting ahead of ourselves, if you will. So, for those that aren't familiar, take us through coma. What does that stand for? What does it mean? It basically describes what happens in church five
1: minutes after I start preaching. Everybody's (laughs) just like this in this zone. But a coma is an acronym that stands for the context, that's the C. The O is observation, the M is the meaning, and the A is the application. And it has to start in that order. Uh, our, our Bible reading habit, regrettably, is very devotional. So I have my daily devos, so I get a little something for me for the day. So I go straight from reading the text to applying it to my own situation. But Coma says, no, I have to start and say, What did the first hearer or reader understand was being said? How can I slide my feet into the sandals of those who heard Genesis for the first time? What was their context? What was their linguistic environment? What was their historical setting? Uh, What what was their geographic location? I've always been amazed at how geography drives the scriptures. all of those things require that we slow down and say, "What? where is our setting? What's the context? And then the observation is the real slowdown discipline. That's the read and rereading, just looking for repeated words, phrases, concepts, ideas. Like I said in the first three chapters, 17 statements about a tree. At this point, I'm just noticing her 17 times. He highlights the tree. I notice that he doesn't call him Adam very often. He calls him the man, the man, the man. doesn't call her Eve until the very end of chapter. calls her the woman, your wife, the woman. So you just mark those things, and you say they're there for a reason. They're details. But then you come to the meaning, and in the meaning, which is the, the real exercise, and that is Not what does it mean to me, but what did it mean to the person who wrote it? What was their intention in communicating this? And as close as we can, we try to determine author's intended meaning. And once we have that, so then we're able to look at those details. We got an observation and say, how do they shed light on the meaning of the whole narrative or the whole story? And then out of that, we say, so in light of this... What am I supposed to either believe differently or how am I supposed to behave differently in light of this truth that's come through that? And before I get to the application, all of that truth has to be filtered through the cross. That is, it all all leads me to either a deeper appreciation for what Christ did for me or an anticipation of what Christ will do. Mm So, uh, looking at the context, making my observations, struggling with the meaning, and then five hours with your fingers laced behind your head, with your feet on the coffee table, until your wife comes in and calls you like, out for that. Looking at the ceiling, saying, "What am
0: I supposed to do with what I now know?" Hmm. That's hmm. what comb is. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Thinking with that in mind, of those four steps, um, can you you take us through a bit of an example, um, specifically from Genesis 1 through 3, and take us through kind of what would you consider in context, and what did you observe, and how did that move into meaning, and then then maybe what an application would be that would be appropriate out of that?
1: Yeah, for this one, I think the aha for me was uh, when I suddenly realized to set the context I had to remember the listening audience of the first proclamation, and so I had to go back and read Exodus and look at the deliverance of God's people from under the hand of Pharaoh. Suddenly they're standing in the wilderness and they've got all these questions. Why are we here? Where did we come from? What is our purpose? Where are we going? All those things. So that set the context, and it's as though Moses is informing them or instructing them. So that helped, with the, I think, with the context. Where are we standing and who is listening? And then the observations, as I said, was a fresh Bible I hadn't marked before, and just going through, looking for repeated words, phrases, and concepts. Uh, the meaning, then, was, uh, was a whole lot more challenging in that I— we let Scripture interpret Scripture. So I'm trying to think forward to what do I know in the rest of the Scripture that speaks to this? And all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm reading other authors and I'm thinking it through and going, God intended to meet with the man every evening in the garden. Is this a, an early picture of the tabernacle, the temple, in John 1 14? And he came flesh and tabernacled among us. So you're asking, is that the meaning? You don't want to draw the conclusion, but you're asking the meaning. So and then I think for the application, there are numerous ones. Like you said earlier, some of the questions are, what if they had never sinned? Then the answer is, I would have. Yeah. You know, if it had lasted this long and nobody had, I know me well enough to know I'd have gone, give me a bite of that, <laughs> you know. So you have to the application is really to humble you, I think, to acknowledge your, your gratitude but your dependence. And then the anticipation that praise the Lord we're on this side of the cross looking back, so that we understand they they didn't. I'm, I'm reading Job this morning. I'm thinking, he didn't have a Bible. Hmm. How does Job live a righteous life in his day without a Bible? So for me the application is you know the whole story, live according to
0: it. Hmm. So as 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 we think this through a little bit for. Uh, for many of us, whether we've been reading for a long time or whether we've been just beginning our journey of faith and, and reading the Word for ourselves, um, sometimes this can be a daunting task to approach. So so can you give us some practical tips? Um, you know, it's... it's it's on one level a little bit easier to walk through the process as you're sermon mm-hmm. prepping. You've got, you know, 15, 20, 30 hours, whatever it is a week yeah. to prepare your sermons. Yeah. Give us some practical advice when I'm sitting at home reading my own Bible. How do I do the coma method? or give us some tips on that. Well,
1: I, I think the first thing is recognize that everybody doesn't have a lot of hours. We're very busy. I think the take advantage of uh, audio. Uh, almost all of the uh, apps that we suggested have audio characteristics with them, application with them. So uh, I think a lot of times by listening we pick it up. So if you're commuting, you just don't waste your time with talk radio. Listen, I, w- I would say that's one. I think I think the second one is uh, to to take a Bible. Don't don't be stuck on one translation or interpretation. Take a Bible that's easy for you to read. And, and trust that those who did the translating are committed to getting the truth, not confusing it. So just read it and appreciate that. And I think the other is uh, take bites that, that you can savor and swallow. Uh, I think sometimes we overeat. And, and I hope that 50% of the congregation, 50% of the Bible uh, body is, is, is committed to reading through cover to cover this year but the rest of them just just take what god can make real to you in that day and it might just be those few texts that read up till sunday in preparation but the other is that it is it is the living word of the spirit of god it's as a friend of mine says it is the breath of god and his breath is always fresh and and so pray about it as you're reading you can't understand it unless he helps you understand it, illumines it. So just pray about it as you begin. The other thing is do it when you're not dead tired. So you <laughs> might, you know, don't waste your morning, as John Piper's website said. You know, start maybe 15 minutes earlier in the morning. Just read it. Let it, let it process through the day and then finish your coma in the evening mm. rather than trying to do it all in one sit-down exercise. So mm. I, I, those, are, those are some of the ways I would make it work. Yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful.
0: All right. So that is Adam and Eve. That is Genesis (laughs) 1 through 3. Hopefully people found it an encouraging read and an edifying message to listen to. I know I did. But this Sunday, a few days away, you've got Cain, Abel, Seth, and Enoch in Genesis 4 through 5. So as we begin to prepare our hearts to hear that message, what are you looking forward to most about sharing on Sunday without, without pulling the punch of your sermon, if I can say that? <laughs> well,
1: the downside to Sunday is that, that it marches us through the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get to the fifth chapter Uh, They lived a long time. And you're thinking, my word, Adam lived 930 years. Isn't that a long time? Well, he was created to live forever. (laughs) So it's not very long in light of eternity, but he did live for 930 years. And then it says, and he died. And it just keeps going through that in chapter 5. In chapter 4, we have the results or the consequences of parental rebellion and every family that's got more than two children or two children or more has sibling rivalry and conflict, and so, you know, it's like, it's okay. But, you know, the older brother doesn't always snuff out the younger brother, but that doesn't mean that there's not conflict. So you ask the question, where's this conflict come from? Well, that happened in in the fall. There was division and conflict created in the act of rebellion.
0: Yeah, one of the, the types of Scripture genealogies that we struggle so much with and a really key message there that we'll look forward to on Sunday. What about interpretive questions? Things that you're going. This is still a question mark in between my observation and meaning as we look forward to Genesis 4 and 5.
1: Yeah, probably uh, at this point, it's more a sense of of trying trying to understand the mind of Moses, going from Adam and Eve, and she doesn't even get her name till right before this. And and then Eve and my three sons, and she throws this thing in there. When Seth is born, she she reflects she reflects back as him being a replacement, not for Cain, but for Abel. Hmm. And yet when Cain is born, she celebrates as though the head crusher has arrived. But then the head crusher crushes the head of his brother, <laughs> crushes the wrong one. But then later on, but so did, so I don't know the answer to that, but did she believe that Abel was the promised, chapter 3, verse 15, 1, not Cain? And why? And I don't know yet, So, I, but it's only Wednesday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's time yet, right? We still There's have time. time, yeah. So we'll look forward to We're hearing, maybe not Maybe not the answer, <laughs> but hopefully at least some more of your process still have research on, to do. on Sunday there. Uh, and, then, and then lastly, as, as we prepare uh, for a time of worship together, hearing this message, how, how do we prepare our hearts uh, for what you think the Holy Spirit has in store for us on Sunday?
1: I think I think twofold uh, one, I, I think we need to look many of us need to know that there is amazing grace extended towards sinners. Mm-hmm. And Cain committed the ultimate sin. He murdered his brother. And yet, he said, my my judgment is just too harsh. And God graciously put a mark on him and protected him. And Cain didn't even repent. He just had remorse. And he was still granted grace. I think that... We have a lot of people that need to know that no matter how vile your sin has been, He is a God that is overwhelmingly gracious and need to hear that.
0: Amen. And that's the whole idea of spending our time in the Word this year. Well, I appreciate so much your time and taking the time to step out of your schedule and your preparation. Hopefully tomorrow and the next day you get some answers to some of those questions, and we look forward to hearing the message on Sunday. So uh, that's it for this this first episode of our podcast. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We're thrilled that you're with us. We're glad that you're on this journey with us over the course of the year 2020. Uh, we hope it was helpful. Real quickly, remember that if you are still looking for a reading plan, we would encourage you to check out the Read Scripture app. Uh, the excellent videos from the Bible Project and the reading plan that can start any time in the year is a great tool. It's right there on your smartphone, your iPad, whatever the case might be. And we would encourage you to read. Along wherever you find yourself at, um, and if you're joining us with the uh, passages, getting ready for Tom servant each message, remember that this week we are reading Genesis four and five in anticipation of the story about Cain, Abel, Seth, and Enoch. So don't forget to take some time and read through those passages. Uh, we'll be praying for you, hoping that God helps you in your reading and prepares your heart for the message on Sunday. And hopefully, you join us again next week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.